you have to find the people who will help you do that and hold you accountable personally as well as the actual information accountable. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. First off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Sunday. We got a special segment for you called Skill Set Sunday, and the skill we're going to be talking about today is how to be a better leader in your business. With us to talk about that, Nathan Brooks. How you doing, Nathan? I'm great, Joe. How are you today? I'm doing great, and nice to have you back on the show and Best Ever listeners. If you want to hear Nathan's Best Ever advice, check out episode 475. It's been so long ago, I had to double check that. Almost like a thousand days ago. 475 titled his first purchase was two homes so 475 today we're going to focus more on how to be a better leader a little bit about nathan to refresh your memory in case you can't remember 1000 days ago he is the owner of bridge turnkey investments he and his team flip more than 150 properties a year they are based in kansas city kansas and recently started their own retail real estate team so with that being said, Nathan, you want to catch us up to speed with your business now and your leadership role within it, and then that will frame the conversation for what we're going to be talking about? Absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me, and however many days you mentioned, I had too many zeros, so we shouldn't wait. Till <laughs> time. I can't count that high. So yeah, our team, Bridge Trinkie Investments, is really, over the last couple of years, basically have doubled in size every year. And I don't remember the exact date of that show, but knowing that last year we had well under 100 and this year in the first quarter be through nearly the number we did last year, which is pretty crazy. So for me, it has been understanding where the problems lie within that business, whether it's in our business, we do mainly turnkey, but we also flip and put stuff on MLS as well. And it's about understanding where the problems lie and having the willingness to listen to your team and the people you put in place, but also then suss out the information, understand that problem and tear it apart, look at it, suss it out, understand what the answers are, but then also put those pieces into process so that you don't have to try to rethink, relearn, re-educate your team and yourself on those problems. Okay. Those are the components of it. Sounds like what you've just laid out, understanding the problem listening to the team, dissecting the information to determine what information is relevant, and then putting a solution in place as well as a process so you don't have to come across this multiple times. Can you give a specific example just to color this in a little bit? 
Love to. So one of the challenges that we've had is one of the things we talk about in our business is having our projects on time, quality, and budget. So hitting all three of those components, meaning we start and stop the project on time and we have scope of work and a budget and we're within acceptable parameters of that within say 90% of our expected cost of that project. And then the quality piece too, where you know visually it's appealing. We got the landscape right. We got the exterior right. We got the color selections right. And then the inside, the same kind of concept. So we have dug in on a number of things. One was inspection reports. So we started dissecting every single inspection report over, say, two, three, four months and looking at things that were repeatedly missed, whether it was a downspout or insulation in an attic or something like that. And based around those items, we took that lesson and we started incorporating that into our actual scope document. So when we went through, we say, hey, Let's look at the attic. What does it need? Let's look at all the downspouts. How many are there? We get hit on this every single time. Mm-hmm. What is it? And, and let's, let's nail it on the front end so we're not trying to chase it on the back end. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And that can be something that anyone does who's buying property, not just someone who's rehabbing property. I'm thinking about with my business, buying apartment communities, if we don't do the proper due diligence on the way the seller is screening their residents and then we buy a property and lo and behold, there's a bunch of criminals and some bad actors in there, then we write that down and then on the front end for future stuff, we put that into the due diligence. We basically make due diligence a living, breathing document. Yes, exactly. And and then the other key piece of that, which you mentioned, it not only applies to a single family house or a small multi or apartment deal or whatever, but whatever the lesson is, whatever the learning was, you actually learned a lesson and you didn't just have that moment that you were in that deal and maybe you missed something. Don't keep missing it. Mm -hmm. Take time to look at it, learn the lesson. Yeah, that's a struggle I have with Ashcroft, not my apartment business, but with my other business, like the podcast and consulting stuff is putting pieces in place so that there's a process so we don't have to continually address the same stuff over and over again. So what are some tips that you have for that aspect? This is a great question. And I think, I don't know, are you familiar with the book Traction and Gina Wickman? Traction, I have heard of it. I have not read it. Okay. Great book. Well worth the read. And if I had to guess with just having that saying struggle in that area, it's something I struggle with too. And what I realized was I was trying to do stuff that A, I didn't like and B, I wasn't very good at. And therefore it did get dropped a lot. And those lessons weren't getting put in their place because I didn't have a great system to deal with them. And then even more importantly, I hated doing it. So I wasn't naturally picking those pieces up, put them in their proper folder, giving them a title, blah, blah, blah. So my business partner and I read the book Traction and they use language, which we didn't have yet, which was really helpful. And they talked about an integrator and a visionary relationship. And I squarely sat in their little test in the visionary seat and my business partner, although who he has some visionary qualities, absolutely sat in that integrator seat. And All that to say, you have to have people on your team who can do that. Mm -hmm. And 
part of being in the CEO seat, the visionary seat is being able to say, this is what we have. This is who we are. This is the type of product we want to be. And then you put yourself in a position and it might be just you, right? So you need to find somebody to help you administratively or otherwise. But if you already have multiple people on your team, it might not be your business partner. It might be a key admin or someone like that, but you have to find the people who will help you do that and hold you accountable personally, as well as the actual information accountable. And so once we started processing this, we do all of our stuff in Podio. So we would build these systems around, say, just the one thing. So for instance, we have selection sheets, so the color of tile and the wall color and all that kind of stuff. We have it built out in Podio, and that links to every property that we flipped. So when you go back, although for me, trying to remember any of that stuff is crazy, but I know that because we built a process to say, hey, if we're rehabbing a house, it's going to have all these selections built out. And someone on my team goes in and looks before we start that rehab and says, hey, selection sheet, one, two, three main streets not filled out. What's going on? Boom, mm -hmm. she pings our team and we check it. Mm -hmm. When we started out our conversation, we said we'd be talking about what it means to be a leader of a business and how to be a better leader. And you started out the conversation by talking about you got to understand where the problems are, listen to the team, assess out what information is important, and then put the pieces in place and a process for not having that reoccur. How come you started out talking about understanding problems versus any other area that you could have addressed as it relates to being a better leader? I think it all starts with the problems and not even just problems, but the right problems. And I think a lot of times people think of problems in the negative. I think of them in the positive. And as the CEO of my business and as a visionary in my business, my responsibility is to see things that other people can't see. It's to be able to talk about, explain suss out the things that people on my team, that's their day-to-day -day operation of writing contracts or running construction sites or picking selections. So they have day-to-day -day minutia, which I don't know, but I can ask great questions and understand where the roadblocks are. And one of the things that I discovered was the more I pulled out of that day-to-day -day minutia and helped my team figure out whether it was language in the way that they communicated to clients or owners or whatever that would be. That was a process problem and that was a language problem so we could help solve it. And so although I am not the one having that conversation, the problem was what do I do when X happens? Mm -hmm. So by taking that time up front, we wrote it out, we talked about it. It's now in my voice not that they don't communicate in their own voices because that'd be crazy to say that they don't, but I got to have influence in the way that we approach it because as a business, Nathan Brooks, or as a business, Bridge Turnkey Investments, this is how we approach a client when this happens. Mm -hmm. So by approaching it from the problem, we could say, okay, cool. Well, hey, when this happens, this is what we do. And then guess what? Because anything that you don't know how to do is a disruptor to the negative in your business. So when you come to something like that and your people on your team don't know how to do it, you didn't prepare them. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's your problem. You need to address it. And then by you addressing it, putting it in play. And then by the way, you have to practice it with your team and make sure they got it. And now you've set them up to do that. They're doing exactly the way you want it done. And they're probably going to do it better than what you could do anyway. Uh huh. I love that. Anytime someone on your team doesn't know how to do something, it's your fault. And it's a problem that you've got to solve for. Absolutely. Yeah. Then you took ownership on it rather than saying, well, gosh, my team doesn't know how to do blah, 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 blah. Yep. That's crazy. It's not their fault. True. So true. That is a great distinction. I'm glad we continued down that path. Anything else as it relates to being a better leader for our business that we haven't talked about that we should? You know, I think the other piece of it is a lot of times, and I have the distinction of having CEO behind my name, and I don't remember who it was, but I remember distinctly hearing somebody that uh, I looked up to talk about the letters behind your name don't mean anything. It's all the actions behind it, and it's the way you operate. And there are plenty of people out there, and I'm sure people will connect to that it says administrative assistant or assistant to blah, blah, blah. And those people do a ton of work and they keep all those little nuts and bolts thing together. And it's so easy as the leader to stop listening because we feel like we have some authority based on the title that we have or we gave ourselves. And I have found the more I stop talking and the better questions that I ask, and then I close my mouth and I listen, the better off my team does. And then the better off they are because they had autonomy in their workplace. They had autonomy in their job and they had influence in what they did. So not only when you think about that, what does that build? That's it's building a culture within your organization that says, Hey, if somebody's talking, I'm going to listen. Hey, and that goes from the top down. And I don't care if it's the landscape cleanup guys all the way up to my VP of construction on my team. It doesn't matter. If you got something to say, I want to hear what it is. And I'm going to sit there and listen. I'm going to understand even if, hey, I put this in play years ago. Well, it might be wrong now. Mm-hmm. And let's find out. Huh. Any tips for listening well? Yeah, I think the concept of listening is to me characterized with you and I, Joe, we're having a conversation and you're listening to me. I'm listening to you. I'm understanding the kind of questions you're asking and we're talking to each other. And in order to listen, that means you have to be actively engaged as to what that person is saying to you. And first, we're not formulating a response. First, we're actually formulating the ability to rephrase the question back so that we understand, A, that we listen to them. The person that you're talking with knows that you know what they ask because you're Mm -hmm. going to rephrase it to them. And it doesn't have to be a whole long question. You can just say, hey, let me just make sure I understand what this is. You said blah, 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 blah. And I just want to make sure I got your question right. Holy cow. I might say your name, Joe. Let me make sure I got your question right. Because I've now said your name. You've heard me say it. I've now stated your question back to you, which means you understand that I heard it or maybe I didn't hear it correctly. Mm -hmm. Now you can correct it. And then you, as the person who are asking the question, has that feeling of worth that you were being engaged with and you're being heard, which is huge, just to start from that place. I love this stuff, and I am appreciative of you sharing this with us. I know a lot of the Best Ever listeners are as well. How can uh, Best Ever listeners get a hold of you? 
couple places. So my team, you can check us out on bridgeturnkey.com, just like it sounds. And we also have a Facebook page, Bridge Turnkey. It's uh, facebook.com slash fixflipprentkc. So you can connect with us there as well. Well, Nathan, thank you for being on the show again and talking about the different characteristics of a leader and helping to provide value to help others be better leaders, myself included. Some tactical things, well, from a high level, is to listen to the team that's been a theme throughout and to listen well and put the pieces in place to have a process implemented so that things don't reoccur. Also, if any team member does not know how to do something, that is not the team member's fault, unless you've told them multiple times. That is not the team member's fault. That is your fault, and there needs to be a way to address that. Also, taking a look at and evaluating past projects that we've been a part of. Anyone can do this who's listening. Just evaluate the past projects you've been a part of, you've done, and what issues showed up and writing it down in a document of the issues and then taking that and putting it into a due diligence document on the front end for your next deal. It's a very simple process and it's a very somewhat obvious thing to do, but I imagine 50% of the people haven't actually written that into the due diligence process for their next deal. They probably know, hey, I need to make sure I address this, but actually do an assessment of it and write it into the due diligence process. So Nathan, thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. You too. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to 555 888 